Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I met my next guest while having a beer at a bar in Harlem. He was the bartender, and I found out, though, through his friend that he was also an MC. Through our few conversations at the bar, he never once mentioned he rapped, but then I never mentioned my podcast. Probably because I'm not a good promoter of my podcast. Because uh, right, I don't promote rapping uh, well enough either. So. He told me it's been named Premrock, uh, and I told him the name of my podcast. That night, I went to Spotify, typed in Premrock, and listened to his entire discography without stopping. With that, I want to welcome Premrock to the library with Tim Monica. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, man. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for thanks for uh, doing this. This is cool. Got slain on the two track main now. Get up off that cross. We can use what's left now. Prove that flame burns solely to contain and singe that hair if it soothes that flesh. And I think that I'm losing my mind. So I don't know much about you. You know, what made you first pick up that pen and start writing? And why do you continue to write? Well. I was always a fan of um I was always I always was wanted to be a writer in some kind of regard and that was before I even really thought about writing raps or anything like that. And then once once I started to listen to hip hop and like fully grasp uh, you know, the technicalities of it all and how how it all worked and and I realized it was kind of the the musical genre for me that like was it felt like it was speaking to me and that sounds cliche but people say that when they fall once i heard hip-hop then and then uh you know i never was someone that was like i i read at an early age like re- learned, learned to read really early but i never thought that i would be someone who wrote books or anything so then it became kind of clear to me that like that would be the medium or the avenue that i would choose to express my writing was through rhyming stuff you know and that was pretty young when I figured that out. So I mean, so was the writing process to you, was that a form of escaping something or was it just kind of like, I mean, I guess that's a cliche question, right? Like, is that a, a what were you, um, what were yeah. you trying to express? Uh, I think it was, it was a bit of that escapism for sure. Um, yeah, I had a wild imagination growing up, like seriously, big time. I didn't grow up in a city, so my sister was really close in age to me and she she's an artist too um she's like a really talented accomplished artist she lives in dc and uh she was uh this she had a similar brain as me except i was uh words and writing and structure and grammar and i was really into that she wasn't she was into like 
artsy things, drawing, sculpture, like later on sculptures when she got more advanced, but she was like, but we both had that kind of brain. So we would think of, we would think of things really deeply and imaginatively and make up games and all this stuff. So that was, uh, a big part of it. Cause, uh, yeah, escapism, it plays a big role in what I write about too. So it's like, yeah, express, expressing the desire to create a world other than the one I was living in. You know, and I think that's where a lot of people start. So, you're you're an MC, but you're part of this culture of hip hop. Um, when you first realized there was maybe more than just you know rap or lyricism, it was this whole you know grav breakdancing. Uh, what did you want your contribution to be to the to co- the culture? But also, what did you want the culture to contribute to you? Um, well, you know, I always felt like. If I could, you know, as to be a contributor on any level would be a privilege. Like it would be, it's not my, you know, it's not my right to participate in hip hop, you know, uh, it's, but uh, rather a privilege to be able to. Um, and if I could, as a kid, I, I don't know if I really thought that I'd be able to make records that people would hear and, and like, or relate to, or, or share, or be like, even decide to then come see me live and stuff. It's, it's even though I have no illusions on how like big or famous I am, I know I'm not any of those things, but at at any level to me, it's, it's really great. It's really a dream that actually came true. So it's like, I think I just wanted to have my say a little bit and have, and, and be able to, to put it out there. And, um, I had no expectations other than, than, you know, I didn't, I didn't think it was, I never really, had entitled any sort of entitlement to be like, you need to listen to what I have to say. It was kind of just like, if, if that would come as a byproduct of, of making this music and I could eventually become a contributor, that was just, that was to this day is great. It's just a great feeling. So, you know, prior to, prior to recording, we talked about easy, right. And, you know, I read at the age of five, maybe six, yeah, it's debatable, but if it, it always felt around that age to me because I thought it was kindergarten. Uh, you heard Easy, and that's yes. true to the hip hop music. Um, what do you remember hearing from him, and then how did he impact and shape you as an artist? Um, I remember the, the like loud, crazy bass, and uh, this the incessant uh, swearing. <laughs> Uh, and the aggressiveness, but also he had a, such a good voice, such a great, great voice, and he wrote a beat extremely well. Now, did he write what he was saying? No, it was probably Ice Cube or DOC or, or whoever was writing for him, but it didn't matter to me when I, I didn't, obviously I didn't even think of that. I just thought, what is, like, what is this? This is, this is crazy. This is, this is like nothing. I grew up around, like, my dad played guitar and sang my whole life, so... And my mom was always playing, you know, she was playing certain things. They had very different tastes, but it was probably for the better for me. So music was always around as long as I can remember hearing it played. But nothing was anywhere, anywhere near what I heard when I heard that Easy e And it was just booming. It was, ah, man, I don't know. I still remember it. It's crazy. It's like one of my first memories. How'd you get a hand it? How did you how'd you how'd you get a hold of Easy? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a good. Uh, uh, it was the older brothers. Right, right. I didn't have an older brother, but my friends did, and the older brothers had. That's how we heard everything. Was 
was from one of them. We'd get our hands on one of their tapes, or they'd let us, they'd let someone borrow it, and because uh, you know we had no, we had no way of getting it. But that's how I heard, you know, that uh, the Chronic, obviously, you know. That's that's when I started to come of age of listening to rap. I was still too young to understand most of the references, but like I I knew that that's what I wanted to hear, and I wanted to hear as much as possible of it, you know. So uh, we talked about Easy, but your bio says you're influenced by Tom Waits as much as Gucci rap and Equal Parts Hemingway and even Simone. Um, yeah, can you kind of briefly talk about how each of these oh, people yeah, sure. have influenced you? Um, I still love Tom Waits. I mean, man, that guy's like 75, and he just he actually just put out a vinyl, the, a remaster I just bought the other day. Um, dude is just... Um, Tom Waits is fiercely independent to me. Um, utilizes so many different instruments and influences. Uh, and he's just... he's I don't know. He's like, to me, just like the, the picture of artistic freedom dude did it his own way his whole life that's what i really admire about him didn't play really by the rules of record labels when everyone else was i mean i did he did for a time but then you know he he when he releases music it's an event to me still and it's like man i couldn't imagine 45 years from now still making music that's like impactful it's just that that's he's the goal to me to if you could be an artist like him that's just that's great um Cool G Rap is one of the best. And like Cool G Rap is one of those guys like you could say he's the best rapper of all time and like I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with you, you know. You could be like, "Well, what's he done for me lately?" if you want to nitpick, but still I think if you're an MC, you you respect the way he puts words together and and as a member of the lit, the Subtle Lisp club, uh I I appreciate him paving the way for people like me who and he made a lisp sound badass like he's gonna kill you with the lisp you know it's like yeah um so he's he's uh, he's you know he's an all-timer there's no debate there uh hemingway as a writer you know as a dude he was pretty suspect uh so i wouldn't say that his personal life influenced my personal life in any way but like i really enjoy his writing that's that's a little bit of an old bio i've I've read a lot more since then so i have more more people i like but i still really respect the way he put words together and nina simone is like one of the most haunting voices like i've ever that's there's a reason she's been sampled and tributed so many times in hip-hop i think there's a direct correlation between what she what she did and uh and what what uh, hip hop music is done, and she's total badass historic, you know, throughout her whole career. Is there so. a track, uh, a small track that you would want to flip in? Oh, and make over? a song? Yeah. Uh, if you had unlimited funds or didn't have to uh, worry about That's a good question. Um, well, there's one, Plain Old Ring, I thought was really cool and flippable. I never did it. That or Good Bait, I think they're back to back on that album, and it's a live album. So maybe one of those two. Yeah. Uh, you talked about uh, being five, hearing easy, and yeah. then taking some time to get your voice, your pen. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first lyric, maybe, or the first track you wrote that you were like, damn, I got this, or I could do this. Uh, I don't have to move on to some other yeah. art form. 
Uh, not really. Um, I remember that I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't very good from like 13 is when I started to write it down and be serious and sit down and be like, I'm going to write today and I'm going to spend some time writing. And, uh, and I don't think that I'd said anything worthwhile until for two years of writing. And then when I was 15, I thought for when I was 15, I thought I was a little, I thought I was good. I was always a really good freestyler and people kind of boosted my ego by telling me how good I was. So I was arrogant and cocky. I hadn't really been humbled. I hadn't really lost. I hadn't really, uh, known anything. So I thought it was better than I was earlier. And then throughout time that mellowed and I, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to have that approach to anything I wanted to learn. So yeah, I thought I was better than I was early on. I'll put it that way. What was I mean? You're from where? Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh? Uh, no, uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. But, uh, um, Forty miles from Philly, so in nor- northwest of Philadelphia, so Upper Bucks County. Yes. So what was that? I mean, what for you at what age of thirty? Like? What was the, I mean, what was the hip hop scene like at age of thirteen? Uh, there wasn't. There wasn't any. Um, if I wanted to do something or like compete in like a battle or something, you would go to you would go to Philly. But I didn't live. In, I didn't live in the city, so. I would say that I learned a uh, part of the reason I got good at what, uh, good at writing, good at, uh, looking for music, digging and sampling and everything was, uh, an imagination that kind of made me look outside of my, you know, surroundings basically. And, you know, when like the, I, w- I wasn't active in the philadelphia hip-hop scene but like when i was young and i would like go do like a scribble jam competition or something that's where i would go and you know there was a few people in my high school that that rapped too and especially my two really good friends so they were like early influences but as to say like we did shows and stuff we did but we were like the only people who did it you know and like we put it on ourselves and it wasn't like so much a scene where you came up and people molded you know mentored you or anything like that um i did meet some guys who were a lot older than me that really helped me out in my understanding which were uh el gus specifically and jess and uh and rem these are some old friends of mine um but uh other than that it was it was you had to kind of uh you spent a lot of time learning on your own that's the way i looked at it so when you moved to new york yeah was there at all ever like an intimidation factor for you in terms or yeah like- I think so I think in general of New York City uh learning to live on live with this you know the prices of everything it's my first time you know aside from college uh living entirely like on my own so to couple that with music it was uh and trying to make a name here it was uh, yeah, it was daunting for sure. It was intimidating, but uh, it, it like makes you makes you tough quick, you know. And and I moved like in the fall, and it was like right into the winter, and it was like all together. So it was like all. It, it, I think it was to get it all at once was good. It was a good lesson for me. So it was like saying, were you saying you're outside from outside Philly? Was that did that help or hurt, or does that even matter anymore? I mean, I think I was always in my ways of like. Uh, with with rap is like when i would go to those events in the city you know i carried myself in a way that was like you know i i felt like i had to project that i was a little tougher than i was and and i was a little more like ready 
to prove myself. And I think I was always that I was always that way because of it. And I mellowed out a lot when I came to the city and humbled myself a little bit because it's like, you know, you don't you don't want that energy to follow you forever. And, you know, I don't I, I also lost very quickly lost interest in battling and stuff like that, even though I liked it for a while. Um, it, it, it was an aggression and uh, it was an aggression that I didn't really think characterized me that well. Uh, for a while it did and then I was like that's not really who I am it's kind of just who I who I thought I needed to be so yeah uh, you know obviously in the intro I said I met you as the bartender and, yeah. you know um, so you I imagine I've been to bars so I imagine you've seen a lot you hear a lot oh um, yes how has uh, many things has your art changed since you know being a bartender and how has that influenced do you, do you try to connect the two at all yeah i think it has before um before i was bartending the evolution of becoming a bartender was all all really survival skills you know like you figure out the way to make the most money and be the most available for your other life right, right. Right? and that's a really good job to do it because you clock in when i clock out i'm done you don't bring anything home with me i don't get involved in any kind of drama that sometimes happens and don't date my coworkers, things like things that people in bars do all the time uh it just seems to be self-inflicting wounds uh and that's cool uh, it's just not me and uh no judgment um but yeah i meet a lot of people i get ideas i get ideas from meeting people um talking to people hearing things otherwise i wouldn't you know because i I said this to a coworker the other day and it was like my first realization that I am some people, I'm the only person some people talk to. Mm. And that's really weird to think about, but some people don't have another person to talk to. So that's why they go to the bar. They know me now because they come to the bar, want to talk to me. And sometimes it sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not like, I'm not that super, uh, I'm not as social as people think I am. It's just an acquired skill that I did to, to make, New York living and life in general easier for me because it's you know if you figure you get in a good groove and a good place you can make a really good living as a bartender it's the hours are rough but and the crowds are rough sometimes you know I've been threatened my life more than more than once but it's not by me not by me not by you for the record (laughs) but uh yeah so I mean I think I think I think it has I think it's enhanced my my storytelling because being the ability to see see life through so many, through a lot of different perspectives really helps. So, so how does, how does that? Work? I mean, that, so how does that work for you as an artist? You're talking to someone, and or you see something, right? And they they say something that like, oh, this would be a great story to tell. Yeah. In a rhyme. Do you just do you write that down? Do you text it to you? I mean, or I, how do you? Rem- I guess the question: like, How do you remember? Like, I, I don't well, know. I mean, I think if it impacts me enough, I'll just remember it. If if I think I might forget it, if it's like a line or something, or, or or like if I see somebody, then think of a line, then I should write it in my phone before I forget it. So all the time I'll go through my phone and be like, "What the hell did that mean?" Like, you know, like I might have something here. I'll look at my like my notes. It'll just be like things that that I had. Yeah, I don't know. Came to me. Someone said property tax, so I wrote property tax novelty act because I knew that rhymed right away, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to remember that. 
I'm not going to remember the word property tax. And so then I have to write it right away or I forget it. But, uh, but I don't do that. I don't do that entirely often. So it's more about like meeting somebody, hearing their story or guessing their story or getting through some things and like filing it away to like, to something, something lighter. So does that mean your art has, or maybe your mission, maybe as an artist has changed because, you know, before you were using, sounds like you're rhyming to using your active imagination, right? Yeah. Uh, but now you're meeting real people and yeah, yeah. you're kind of taking their story and flipping it and, you know, making it and, you know, expressing their story through your words. I mean, do you see yourself now as someone who's not just using his active imagination, but also the kind of the person who's going to help tell other people's stories? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far as to telling other people's stories. I do that. Don't worry. I go way too far. No, no, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, uh, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say that like, I, you know, that, that, that helps me or like I, then I, then I'll go home and write a story about, uh, this firefighter whose wife left him, you know, like that, that's not the case. Um, that I just think that it can help shape ideas when I start to think about what it might be like for this other person, you know, like. I don't know if it, it, it's not, it's not literal. It's not super literal. Like it's not ever really super literal. Um, but I also write, I also write other things other than hip hop where I like have ideas for like screenplays and things like that. And that is really helped by the bar, like really helped because so many characters, I meet so many characters or like, you know, like one of the, one of the favorite people I met at the bar is a, is a poet, uh, named Gustavo, who's become a good friend of mine. And so, like, I'll, some nights he'll be out, clearly he'll be, he, it's four in the morning, and I'll wake up to, you know, I'll wake up to, like, this quote he sent me from, like, this Mexican poet, and I'm just like, that's a great quote, and it's like, how, I would never have that quote, and then that quote could make a crazy hook if I, you know, flipped it and reworded it a little bit, and that, that's, like, a direct influence, because it's like, where else would I have known that, and, and that, that's, that's all thanks to the people that I've met there. So, yeah. Uh, you obviously meet a lot of people, but also you, you hear a lot of music. I was wondering, is there ever like a track that like the most appreciated track that you've like someone played that you're like, all right, I like this or at the bar. Yeah. At the bar. Well, I play my, I play my music there. So most, I pretty much pick the music when, especially when I bartend, uh, I've met people who've told me about, I'd say that's more, more more frequent would be someone's like have you heard this um and i haven't so i check it out um but with that i have my other sources for that so that i don't usually pay attention to that unless someone or like more than a few people have mentioned it and and i respect their opinion because i have a lot of artist friends and a lot of writer friends who seem to be on the cutting edge that you we interact in other ways so then i'll be like oh okay like you you like that but then there's certain people that'll come in like have you heard this or did you know so-and-so's playing and and i can't really think of a good example of that right now but like that doesn't happen as much as much as one would think is there a song that you've always liked or that maybe someone introduced you to that you heard and you kind of wish like either you were on a fly in the wall in the studio when that was made or you actually made the track yourself oh uh there's a funny one. I 
you know the Welcome to New York, uh, Jay Z, Alicia Keys yeah. song. And most people know that song. I actually I had that sample in my pad bank for like three years before it came out. Not that it would have made a difference because I used to make beats a, a lot, and I had that sample that dun, 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 as a main sample behind that entire <clears throat> song. Uh, not that that makes any difference. Because so so what I had it sitting in my pad bank ready to be made into a beat. Then I heard it and I was like, oh. So had I made it, it wouldn't have made any difference because it's not like Jay Z would have heard it. But I was kind of like, oh, that's that's interesting. At least I I have an interesting ear. My ears my ears on the cusp of uh, crafting some top forty hip hop, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> that's happened a few times. Or I have I have stuff and then somebody somebody flips it. You know? Can't be the only one that's happened to. I want to go to some of your music. Uh, cool. You know, when I heard uh, "Broken Hallelujah" uh, featuring Fresh Kills off uh, "Leaving Intact" mm-hmm. 2016 album, you know, of course, I thought Jeff Buckley's and Leonard Cohen's um, "Hallelujah," uh, but that's not the point uh, because that's just random talking. Yeah. Anyway, um, but the thing I liked is that when you look at the video, you're spitting over um, live instruments. Yeah. Uh, when you're spitting over a live instrument for you, how does that elevate you as an artist? And then, what is your favorite instrument or sound to spit over? Yeah, um, that was a, that was Kills' idea. Me and Kills did that album, and then he wanted to do some live instrumentation, and he had some guys he really trusted to play, and it was a, it was a cool experience. It was fun. Um, live band stuff. Uh, I think a live drummer is cool. I'm not really a big fan of the band. Uh, the rapper with the band. There's, there's, there's a few I like. Obviously, Black Thought is the greatest to do that. Um, and then like Odyssey and Black Milk are like those, those guys that like watching with the band. Otherwise, I never had any uh, hopes or plans of doing that. So I don't get too, too deep into it. But I could definitely do it, and I definitely like doing it. It's fun. Um, but. Uh, I think it would always just be drums. Uh, Feast, uh, featuring uh, Fresh Kills, uh, Sea Ray's Walls, and Elder Sensei. Uh, Great track. I was always, how did that come together? And as the lead artist, how do you know that a collabor like a collaboration like this is actually going to work? Yeah. Well, my whole plan was that I was like, all right, this is going to be the like uh, the uh, I don't know, like indie rap. It's like people who really follow like the the late '90s, early 2000s indie rap, like I did. I definitely had those guys, all those guys' albums. Right. You know what I mean? And going back to like artifacts with Ella Sensei. So Fresh Kills, he knows, he knew L. So that was easy to have for. That happened really fast. He was like, return the verse immediately. It was, it was great. So he actually sent the verse, or maybe I sent him a verse at the first take. I don't remember, but the topic wasn't super like defined, so I didn't think it would be too hard. Sea uh, Rays is a friend and a long time. I've known him for a very long time, over 10 years now. Um, and he's always been a very uh, positive influence in my career. 
and uh, getting him was as easy as texting him. So that was uh, I knew he would do. I knew he would. I knew he would not ever phone it in for me. You know, what I mean, he he would give me his his A game. So it was it was fun and how it all came together. And I thought I thought it was gonna work. Yeah, I think it did. On the record, uh, Berlin off of uh, okay. Clean Will Light It Please. Dr. Quandry. Uh, it's two minutes and 30 seconds of you just straight rhyming. Yes. And then there's music. Uh, there's no hook. No. Um, did you... Well, one, what's the purpose of this track? But two, did you go in? Or do you usually go in thinking no hook? No. So how did that work out that you just... Uh, I just wanted to make a... Like a straight story like a straight up story basically the story is mostly true so I was just like a funny interesting account of what something that happened and I don't know it stuck with me kind of it's it's it was just an interesting like, a relation like, encounter relationship or what have you and when he played me that beat it was like we added Berlin later after I had told him I'm going to call the song Berlin it's doc, uh, this producer Dr. Quandry he actually just put an album out this year I think you'd like it on Spotify you can check it out for sure I I couldn't possibly figure where a hook would be on, on a story like that it seemed like it watered down what I was talking about so I just wanted I was banking on people to listen to the the words was that written all in one take so to say or was that a kind of all kind of yeah I think so I think it was I think I'd just been thinking about it a lot and it happened years prior and it just kind of like it's like I'm gonna write about this and I took a little po- poetic license like I did know we did, we did know each other's names so even though that's like kind of like the, the the point of it uh, I thought it was I thought it still got the point across, even though. So I whispered the same and placed my hand on the arm. She grabbed the memo pad and wrote directions down to the train. Our departure wasn't heartbreaking, it's hard to explain. Was a rebirth of sorts, something comforting game. I stood upon the platform, felt all the stress gone. Bending over tracks, waiting for the S-Bahn. And then suddenly it struck as it started to rain. Throughout the whole exchange, she never did share her name. And then I reached inside the pocket, found the notes. She must have tucked away and said, don't worry, love, I think it's better this way. Waiting for Godot off of uh, Clean Well Lighted Place again. Um, you use the you use the rap as like a setup, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously a lyric from BDP's My Philosophy. Mm-hmm. A lot of games, a lot of suckers dressing colorful to me. They look the same. Hey, hey, what can I say? I'm ready uh, for this is going to be the Captain Obvious question of the of the of the, of the interview. But yeah, why 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 give ode to that track? It was kind of just like a song that like harkens to the fact that it's going to be individuality is going to be the key to like making some sort of statement, you know? I mean, it just, yeah, I don't know. It was, that was like the, my frustration with, with what it's like to, to be in the world of hip hop, right? Like 
That's that was that song. Everybody looking colorful, look at the colors run. A rap is like a setup. Ha 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 setup. They're waiting for good Joe like he ever gonna come. Nothing to be done, nothing to be done. Everybody dressing colorful, look at the colors run. Uh, during an interview you did with Open Mike Eagle in 2015, uh, you, had, you had some really great questions, but a question I Thank really you. liked and want to ask you is, uh, yeah. and I'll slim it down just to make it more for you, but uh, you said, quote, you share the stage and the song with some impressive acts over the years, so who would you give your right kidney to have a song and a subsequent tour with? Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. It would be Tom Waits. No idea what his fan base would think of me. I'd probably not be too happy with what was going on, but whatever. Yeah, Tom Waits. Fuck it. What's the hardest thing for you as an independent artist? And then what is your goal? I mean, you kind of mentioned Tom Waits being 75 and still making records. Uh, is that what you kind of envision yourself wanting to do? Yeah. Um, that's definitely part of it. Um, you know, it's it, everything's constantly changing. Um the business model for how you want to release your album streaming is is more important than than ever um i i want you know i want i want to have a great catalog when i look back i'm proud of it i'm look proud of you know i would love that i i really like and appreciate that you you picked the songs that you did and and um that makes me happy that I wrote those when I wrote those and that they're being talked about still. So I want, you know, I want as many as those examples, you know, I don't want to have, I don't want to be one of those guys that has a hundred albums. Technically, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I do. I don't know, but I, I don't want, like, I want it to all be very worthwhile, thoughtful and part of the story that I hope will get told. And, um, the hardest thing is, is, uh, I guess like time management and, and figuring out what you want. I don't have a family, but yeah, it's something, it's something I do want, you know, but I want it on the terms of like, I want it, I want it to, you know, I, I, I was never the person that was like, I'm going to have a family and that's just, that's, that's what I have to do. You know, like there's things that I have to accomplish is the right person has to be in the equation before any of that happens. You know, that might happen tomorrow. That might happen in 10 years. Like I'm not, entirely hung up i realize that my life is going to be that of an alternative lifestyle no matter what i mean um i love traveling with music i love getting to any city you know that i can through it and eventually i want to have seen everything that i can every country possible so i want to continue to do that and then you know eventually the goal is i don't need to go work at the bar it's i get paid enough through this but that that isn't you know the money isn't the thing but otherwise i would have quit a while ago you know? <laughs> but also do you i mean do you feel that pressure to you know we're in an age where we've been in an age for a while but like you know an artist released an album and they get interviewed and they're like all right what's next and you're like well i just released an album why what are you talking about what's you know what's next i mean do you feel any pressure to have to constantly release something uh the pressure is internalized you know the pressure that i have i place on myself i i want to make great music um i don't want to make good music or any kind of forgettable forgettable music i want to top every time i do something new i want it to be better so the question of what's next is 
It's a fair question. You know, what are you, what is your goals next? I, I want to, there's types of albums that I always wanted to make sounds, you know, like, like with fresh kills, that whole album is a totally different, it's a different side of me. Uh, clean, well-lighted place is a little more, there's, there's a whole lot of producers on that one. And for it to all come together, the way it did was felt like entirely my album, you know, with kills, that's a collaborative album. When I do an album with Willie Green, that's a collaborative album. When I and I'm going to be doing albums with a few collaborative records that are going to sound a certain way. Um, so I want all all of those facets of me and of my personality to be snapshotted as accurately and done as well as possible. So that pressure, that's self made, but that is that pressure is real. So I feel it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So of course, how do uh, the listeners follow what you're doing and everything? Keep up with me. Yeah. Uh, Twitter is my favorite platform. Uh, I'm Planet Premrock there. Instagram Premrock. Uh, all the main, all the main things. Go to my Spotify if you if you want my Bandcamp or iTunes to get support. Obviously, that means more, and you can have it forever. When Spotify dies, you. You know, when your internet goes out, you still have it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, independent artists, we we rely more on word of mouth and we rely more on money that is generated through a fan base than, than majors do. And, you know, shows, anytime you're like, check out this guy, uh, it means something. And it, it makes a difference. And I, I recognize that. So, yeah. He's, uh, like I said, from Rock. Uh Great MC. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the library with Tomonico. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Busy old fool, unruly son, duly noted how you've come undone. And my bun's been long and these legs gone numb, but that feeling in my chest still thump. Bump this in my time of need. There's no tears for the blood we're designed to bleed. The ghost dig a little deeper, baby, mind for me. This broken hallelujah was a sign to me Confine my sins to a bottle of gin And shaking up some gimlets before the interest slims Now go with my ride till my body go limp And I go with a party go graveyard temp on raised like Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio And... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.